at one point I just remember seeing like a giant wall and on the wall was many different religious symbols. Like I remember seeing the, the Ganesh Hindu symbol, I remember seeing the Buddha symbol and Jewish symbol. I just seen all these different symbols and they were all together on the one wall and it was beautiful colors, you know, and it was really overwhelming. I was almost crying because it was so beautiful. And then I, I remember uh, when I looked over the wall, I saw a giant head in, this, uh, in space. It was like a luminous, um, like a luminous colors you know like holographic kind of a luminous colors and it was like it was in space and just a giant head and it was looking down at me smiling and I, as the more i looked at it i could see the definition of my face it was like my beard and it was smiling and i was like only for a few seconds and i, and I remember going wow and i was like I was, I was like tears coming from my eyes and i was just like in awe and then the next thing i remember i was being carried away from the room by shamans because i must have been I must have really transcended because my body my body wasn't doing what I thought I was doing you know I must have been screaming or crying or or shaking or I don't know what I was doing but they took me outside and in that moment the way I felt was like but this is me I saw a higher version of myself Okay, so this is Mike Sigula from truthfear.com and this is Truthfear Podcast Episode 7 and my guest today is Kash Khan from EducateInspireChange.org. Educate Inspire Change is a digital media brand with more than 3 million followers on Facebook. Their mission is to encourage people to expand their consciousness and to inspire people to reach for their dreams. Kash is also the host of Educate Inspired Change podcast, where he interviews world-renowned guests sharing unique perspectives on a broad range of topics, including personal growth, self-actualization, mental health, mindfulness, spiritual evolution, plant medicine, philosophy, and more. So, Cash, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've known each other for a while and I feel like let's have a chat and discussion because we kind of run, um, you know, similar brands in a way. And we also have similar goals to just help people to see the bigger picture, to, you know, be better versions of themselves. We we both kind of reach millions of people. And... Um, we, I think we face similar challenges, you know, so I felt like, let's see what's your perspective on what's happening in the world currently, what's going on with censorship, with a bunch of other things. And um, yeah, maybe we can just start by, uh, you could give us a little bit of background, how you started, what was your mm -hmm. process of awakening like, you know, why you decided to create Educate to Inspire Change? Okay, sure. Thank you. Um, so Educate Inspire Change uh, started like eight years ago, uh, simply as a Facebook page, you know, and it came from uh, a, a, a series of events had to take place for me to be ready to get the motivation to start the page. So during my 20s, I was very much in and out of jobs. I didn't really know what my purpose or my calling was. I, I spent a lot of time doing what many people do in, during their 20s 
partying, uh, spending time with the wrong crowd. And I entered into a relationship with a girl and we had a child together. But unfortunately, the relationship didn't last and I wasn't able to see the child, you know. So this, this for me, uh, sent me into a little bit of depression and... Um, and it took me maybe three or four years of battling in the court system in the UK, which are very uh, old fashioned court systems. So they're not very good, uh, you know, um, for they're not very favorable for fathers at the moment. Uh, so w once I was able to see my son, it changed my outlook on life and it changed the way I see myself. And I, I really felt that I needed to make a change. And so I started to, to look at myself through his eyes, you know, and uh, after I, I, and I also knew that this court system wasn't going to be very easy for me. And it was going to take many, many years to really have a, a strong relationship with him. So I thought, what can I do in the meantime? It's almost like a form of therapy, you know. So the, my, I remember my lawyer told me it's a good idea to write letters to him. But instead of writing letters to him that he's never going to read, I thought I want to do something that, that makes a difference now. So I went on online and made this page, Educate, Inspire, Change. And I wanted to share my views on the world, to share my beliefs for what the world needs more of uh, online, in the hope that one day my son will see this and understand his father better, understand what I stand for, you know. And it, it became a bit of an obsession for me in the first two or three years. As you know, it's a very difficult um, kind of industry to get into and to make money from. So the first two or three years, I didn't have a big following. I didn't even know how to monetize my platform. I just literally were, was, was sharing content for the sheer passion of sharing the truth. And I became passionate about lots of topics. I started to become aware about um, different wars, like the war in Iraq, the war in Palestine, the, corrup the corruption in American politics, um, the food industry, GMO. Uh, and I started to understand all the stuff, you know, spirituality, quantum physics, and it really blew my mind open. And it started to make me really um, understand life better. It made me reevaluate my own beliefs. So I was raised a Muslim, for example, and creating this page made me question my own beliefs. And it made me become much more of a spiritual person and much more uh, understanding for all religions and all people, you know. So uh, uh, it set me in this journey down this rabbit hole. And obviously... Uh, I've evolved as the business has evolved. So over the last six, seven years, I've really changed my diet. Like I became uh, pescatarian, vegetarian. I've started to become more into meditation, yoga, stepped away from religion, done more with work with psychedelics and plant medicines. And now the page, I'm focusing less on politics, less on war, less on all this stuff. And I'm focusing much more on what changes we can make now in ourselves, like self-healing. So like, what can you do today to make your, the world a better place? Because lots of people were giving me some feedback. They were telling me that all the messages I'm sharing are very good, but they, they couldn't see a way out. They couldn't see how they could make the world a better place because to, to change the pol political system, it's going to take you lots of lots of hard work, many, many years, and it might not even work. But what you can change is you can change your own self right now and you can make your life better. So I like to focus on these topics now. This is kind of where I am now. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing podcasts of my own, why I'm doing more videos, documentaries, because I want to really um, encourage people to be the change they want to see. Instead of trying to change the world, just change yourself and, and that's enough. Yeah, and... Um... So how can we change ourselves? Like, what do you think uh, everyone can do? You know, because obviously, mm. and what what it means for you to be spiritual? Because I guess it's kind of, you know, I'm a spiritual person. Someone, you know, it's a cliche, but what what it means, really? 
I think spirituality is a very personal thing. It can be different for everybody. But I think spiritual people, they, um, they have a few things in common where they are all-encompassing. So they don't, they, they don't want to pass judgment on others and we don't enforce our views on others as well. So you can be whatever you want to be as long as you're not harming anybody, I accept you, you know? Whereas the difference with dogma or religion is it confines you to a set of rules and laws that you must abide in order to achieve you know, a uh, key to heaven or whatever you want to call it. Whereas spirituality uh, just gives you the freedom to choose your own path as long as you're not harming others. And it also, as uh, a non-judgmental path, you know. And I think um, for me, since I became spiritual, I've become a better person as well, you know, because less judgment. I'm thinking more about animals. I'm thinking more about the food I'm eating. I, I'm, I, like when I was raised as a Muslim, for example, I, I'll give you a good example. My family wanted me to marry another Muslim person. They also wanted to choose my diet for me so I, I could eat meat and I had to eat halal meat and I had to live in a certain way. Like they, I, I imagine they would have not been happy if I was gay, you know. You know? They would have, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have accepted me, you know. So there's lots of walls around me that I had to live by, you know. And I was always in fear of punishment. I was always in fear of if I do this, I'm going to go to hell. So it's, it's almost a form of mental abuse as well, you know. So spirituality it gave me a feeling of liberation, you know. Like I felt liberated, like I can be what I want and I can feel how I want to feel without shame or judgment. So this was a big difference for me between spirituality and religion, you know, and uh, and I feel like since I've had uh, this awakening, my children have benefited because I don't raise them the way I was raised. I raise them to be free and I want them to question everything for themselves and I want them to even question me. I want them to just become their own people. And this is what the key to the future of society is for me, is creating children that are taught to question everything and to think for themselves critically. Because at the moment, we're doing the opposite. At the moment, we're forcing our old family fashioned traditions and old-fashioned views on children and we're and we're uh, telling them that we know the way and they must follow us but we do not know the way because uh, we've only been following broken traditions and broken ways and broken systems and you can see this today with the prison systems the education systems the health systems the political systems they're all failing all around us you know there's still wars everywhere there's still poverty in Africa there are still people dying of diseases there's still you know child trafficking happening at a, a huge rate so clearly something is wrong and I think it stems from this lack of education at the at the child children's level so i feel quite passionate about this that we need to fundamentally change our values and our beliefs and how we raise our children yeah i think um you know this is extremely important because our parents often want us to be uh the version that they they want us to become you know but their views are often outdated or they went through some kind of indoctrination through religion or education system or they think you know what's good for them it's going to be good for you but you are a different person and you might have completely different uh, interests and gifts and you know you need to be able to discover these things yourself so um, you know I can see it like my dad wants me to become this kind of person that he is but I have my own perception and you know goals and and he doesn't understand some of my goals and i don't understand some of his perceptions so i'm i totally agree i think uh, if i gonna have a children in the future i definitely would like them to you know discover what's good for them what they want to be doing themselves and sad to see that you know we still have places on the planet where for example you know um you have arranged marriages where your family um, chooses, you know, someone you're supposed to love, where, you know, love should be all, all about uh, 
emotions and feelings you have to towards someone and not you know some arrangement that is coming from a culture that they they just do it because they've been everyone's been doing it for centuries so they mm. think this is the way things should be done but mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of these things and then if i can add something to what you said about spirituality like this is an interesting thing about judgment because I, i have a lot of problems with judging people and i've been raised <laughs> this way and you know it's also part of uh my family But I think another thing that I consider to be important and, you know, maybe partially a definition of spirituality is that, you know, you kind of want to walk your talk. And if you have intentions or ideas and you kind of want to uh, match that with who you are, you know, so let's say, I don't know, let's say, for example, you have a wife and you watch pornography you know and she might not be happy about it so this is like you know you want to be an authentic person and mm -hmm. not kind of have one side or you know this persona outside this mask and be someone else inside so i think the more we are aligned um you know inside the more kind of we become spiritual that's um you know that's kind of my also my path because you know i've been also yeah. fighting with a lot of my personal issues my instincts my addictions my own kind of uh you know negative parts or shadow sides that i've been trying to mm -hmm. fix or trying to improve over the years and it's like never ending battle you know <laughs> they say that's like the hardest thing is like the battle inside yourself you know But you also yeah. mentioned uh, psychedelics, and I wanted mm -hmm. to hear your experiences. You know, I've been looking at, sure. um, you know, some of your journeys. I know you went to Costa Rica mm -hmm. a couple of times. And uh, it's interesting. I, I've been hearing you saying something that, um, you know, psychedelics helped you to see the path um, and gave you the confidence, maybe, um mm -hmm. to you know put yourself out there because almost at the same time i started doing the same yeah. but it came from a different kind of realization you know it, it didn't really come from like getting information from, on the psychedelic journey it was just mm -hmm. like i felt like this is the time you know the world is really going crazy and you know i've been kind of afraid to put myself out for a long time i've been hiding behind you know, my website mm -hmm. and yeah. in a similar way, I think you've been doing the same thing and we yeah, kind exactly. of coming out now when it's probably the world needs to see more people like us. So maybe you can tell us yeah. a little bit about some of these experiences. Sure. Yeah. So like, um, I, I was obviously, uh, through our platforms, I was aware of DMT and ayahuasca for quite a few years, you know. I had been watching documentaries and reading books and articles from, you know, all, all these famous people like Terence McKenna, even Joe Rogan used to talk about it a lot in his podcast. So I was very aware of it, but I never had any experience myself and I never expected to feel the calling to try. 
But one day, uh, a place uh, in Costa Rica actually emailed me. I, I think um, maybe you know them as well. I, I'm sure I saw one of your colleagues there at some point, uh, Rhythmia Life Advancement Centre. So they invited me to come to their retreat. But initially, like because I had no uh, understanding of what ayahuasca or any psychedelics were, I said, I said no thank you. But it planted a seed in my head where it made me intrigued to understand more. What, what do they do and what's, what's the purpose of ayahuasca? What healing properties does it have? And I, I really went down a rabbit hole. And I spent many months, you know, really learning about it. And I realized there were some problems in my own life that maybe I was hiding from. I wasn't willing to face up to. Like, I would maybe drink too often. I would maybe, like, um, sometimes deal with uh, stressful situations with alcohol or, or cigarettes or drugs or gambling, whatever it was. This is my way of coping mechanism. So, and also my relationship was suffering as well. And there were many areas of my life that I realized needed a, lo a lot of improvement with. So I thought to myself, maybe there's something here that I could do, you know, and I, I saw the potential in this plant could help me. So I replied maybe one year later to Rhythmia asking them, is the offer still open? And I'm really grateful that they said yes. And then around five months later, I took the journey to go there and um, I spent, I mean, as much, you can read as many books and watch as many videos as you want and nothing will prepare you for the actual experience itself. Nothing can. Even me t talking about it for hours, I can't prepare you. It's impossible because the, the kind of experience you have is so out of this realm, out of this world, is that almost like you have other senses that are for the first time woken up and you, you can't put them into words, you know? Like um, you can almost like feel and taste and hear colours and, and sounds like define the, the experience you have. And time doesn't exist in this realm. So time is very different to the way we experience it here as well. So it's very overwhelming to the body, to the senses, the mind, everything. But like um, my, my first experience was just extremely profound, extremely overwhelming. And it made me realize that something is there much bigger, much more intelligent, much more deeper than us. And uh, it's here to teach us and show us the way. And this, is, this was like my takeaway from the first experience I had. And it really opened my mind. And what I noticed was it made me become much more of a thoughtful person. I became much more mindful of how I spoke. Um, I wouldn't lose my temper so quickly. I was much more forgiving to others. I just became an overall kinder person. And this plant really got me interested. So some people, when they do psychedelics, they can maybe do it once or twice. They can have a really profound experience and they will never feel the need to try it again. But other people, their nature is maybe more curious, more inquisitive. And when they open the door to this world, they want to really go deeper and understand and unlock more. And that's what I felt happened to me. I was really, really curious about this. I always have been a curious person by nature. And this was a whole new world to me, a whole new dimension that opened up. And I felt like there's a lot of answers here to the world's problems, you know, and even to a personal problem. So I decided to return. And the, the second time I returned, I wanted to, to take a cameraman with me to document my journey. And the second time I really felt I wanted to go to find more about my purpose. I wanted to understand why am I here, like uh, find my purpose so I could really uh, share whatever I discovered with the world. And it was during one night doing ayahuasca when like I had a really profound experience. Like I felt like I, I met my higher self, you know, like, and I was really um, in awe of, uh, I was asking to see God. I was asking to have my consciousness raised. I wanted to see whatever higher power was there. And when I got to see him, it was almost like it was me looking back at me. It was really surreal. So can you, but can like, you tell um, me was, like what happened exactly? Because I'm interested in this concept of higher self. And uh, sometimes okay. like, you know, in mind appear exactly as you, you know, like looks <laughs> like you or older version yeah. of you or more mature or something yeah. like that. 
Sure, I'll go into more detail. So basically, um, I remember this night vividly because I wrote in the book, My when you do ayahuasca, they say, come into the ceremony with some kind of intention. Like, what's your, what do you want to heal today? Do you want to heal trauma or do you want to, you know, explore what you want to do? So I, I wrote on the paper, please raise my consciousness so that I can understand and uh, better, like, why I'm here and communi communicate with more clarity and strength. So just, I kept saying to the medicine, raise my consciousness. Like, I want to speak to God or speak to, I want to understand. And every time I kept, I felt, I felt like in my mind I was going higher, like I was, I was um, going deeper into this medicine, and the, the visuals were getting very strong. But every so often it would say no, like you were not ready, and I would need to puke. So puking is puking is a big part of ayahuasca, where you have lots of stored emotions and baggage and traumas that are stored in your body. So, like for example, when I'm a child, and for example, my fa my father is beating me as a child. In my mind, I want to fight back and I want to shout and scream or cry, but instead I'm not, I'm not reacting. I'm having to keep it in, you know, like a child. And that emotion, it goes somewhere in your body. And then as you grow older, this emotion has to come out some way. And often it comes out in very bad ways, like alcohol or drugs or eating too much or, you know, or you can have diabetes or disease, whatever it means. This, all these emotions, they store up every day, you know, over years and years. And this is what ayahuasca does. It comes to these realities. It makes you face to face with your trauma. So it takes you back to all these uh, crazy moments and it makes you feel, wow, I can't keep this any, any anymore. I need to release it. I need to accept what happened. I need to accept, forgive everybody. And it makes you puke it out really profound so this kept happening to me maybe five or six times over maybe two or three hours i was really being violently sick into the bucket and the more sick i was the lighter i felt and the more higher i could go and then it got to a stage where i was like literally sitting on my bed like this like it felt very profound to me maybe i looked different to other people but in my head i, I felt like i was i was you know flying high and at one point i just remember seeing like a giant wall and on the wall was many different religious symbols like i remember seeing the the Ganesh Hindu symbol I remember seeing the Buddha symbol and Jewish symbol I just seen all these different symbols and they were all together on the one wall and it was beautiful colors you know and it was really overwhelming I was almost crying because it was so beautiful and then I, I remember uh, when I looked over the wall I saw a giant head in this uh, in space it was like a luminous um like a luminous colors you know like holographic kind of a luminous colors and it was like it was in space and just a giant head and it was looking down at me smiling and I, as the more i looked at it i could see the definition of my face it was like my beard and it was smiling and i was like only for a few seconds and i, I remember going wow and i was like I was, I was like tears coming from my eyes and i was just like in awe and then the next thing i remember i was being carried away from the room by shamans because i must have been I must have really transcended because my body, my body wasn't doing what I thought I was doing. You know, I must have been screaming or crying or, or shaking or I don't know what I was doing, but they took me outside. And in that moment, the way I felt was like, like, this is me. I saw a higher version of myself. I thought I can do anything. Like if someone says to me, make a video or be a guest or speak, how can I say no? I've just seen myself and all this beauty and all this magnificence like this is my true essence I need to do this guy justice I need to be my true self you know so in the next day when I'm thinking about you know my my business and I need to make videos I need to do doc documentaries I'm speaking from the heart like the way I'm speaking to you just now it's not rehearsed it's just totally from the heart talking about experience and talking about passion so I couldn't do this two years ago or one year ago because I would need to think about what I would be living in my head I'd be having anxiety do I am I giving the right answer am I talking too fast 
fast? Do I sound good? Do I sound intelligent? No, I don't care. Now all I, ca- all I care about is speaking my truth and sharing my message and hopefully inspiring one or two people. That's all I want to do, you know? So this gave me that overwhelming experience of, you know, that uh, confidence that there's a higher version of me out there that's guiding me. And, and when you have the experience, it's just a feeling. You can't put it into words, you know? So it puts feelings in you. Like, for example, when I, I look at my children, I know I love them dearly but there's no science there's no physical evidence i can provide to anybody but but you nobody would question the love so when i have this experience with my higher self i love myself so much now but i can't explain it to anybody you know what i mean i just saw myself and it's, it's like a feeling inside me that's it's very pure and I, and I and i also when you go through this journey it's hard work so it's like the feeling of, imagine climbing mount everest the feeling of accomplishment you know and and how how, how proud you would feel i felt the same feeling coming through ayahuasca like i felt like i really healed my ancestor healed myself healed my children i puked for hours and days and it was really painful scary hard work but i went through and i felt good after it was really full of gratitude and love and i could i took that gratitude and love into my day-to-day life as well so even small tasks i'm doing like uh, you know putting my children to bed at night going for a walk uh, doing yoga doing meditation eating food i'm treating all these things like with much more uh, attention to detail and i'm doing them much more mindfully and i'm being much more grateful for everything every day and it's a really profound um, way to live you know and i mean uh, everything becomes like even flowers look better music sounds better food tastes better just because uh, something's unlocked in me and I feel like this is what I needed because there were some major blocks in me that I needed unlocked. So like you said, some people don't need psychedelics. Some people can just find the power in themselves. Other people maybe have some major blockages, whether it's trauma or addiction or abuse, whatever it might be. And sometimes those blockages maybe need a little bit of a, a push or something to really get, get them out of the system. And I feel like that's what, that's what happened to me. And did you... Uh encounter any negative um you know side effects or anything bad trips or anything like that because i think it's important to uh remind people you know there's so much hype now around psychedelics as these amazing tools but i had some really really dark crazy experiences that ended up um you know with some severe consequences and i've seen Mm -hmm. that happening around me as well so i think it's important Mm -hmm. people need to understand that these are very powerful tools and uh, it's not always works perfectly you know uh for everyone Mm -hmm. did you have anything um, that you could consider a negative or bad trip I mean, um, so in my experience, I definitely had very traumatic nights that were very painful to go through and they were traumatizing, confusing. It left me in a state of confusion. But I think I think at the end result, I was able to heal from them and learn from them. But I also saw people around me go through some bad things and I, I understand very much the dark side of plant medicine. There's a dark side to everything. It doesn't matter. You can, you can have money and you can use it for bad or you can use it for good. Like everything, there's polarity in everything, you know? So the, I, there's a very dark side to ayahuasca. What I would say, there's two things I want to touch on here. So there are very painful things to go through with ayahuasca that can be traumatic, but sometimes that can be where the healing is. Sometimes you need to go through those traumatic, painful experiences in order to heal. But as as as, as being being um, I suppose it's, it's hard to define what's good for you and what's not good for you because there's people I've heard having you know they can be feel possessed they can go home and they can feel worse they can become more depressed they can become more addicted to drugs or alcohol I understand there's a, a dark side to that and I think it all comes down to how careful are you when it comes to choosing the place you do medicine 
how much attention are the shamans or people around you putting into you? How much care are they paying to the medicine, into your environment, to the set, to the setting? Are you eating well? Are you taking it all as your body? Are you like, um, you make sure you're not on antidepressants, you're not on drugs, you're not on alcohol, you're eating healthy, you're eating good. And also, you, are you in a good state of mind to deal with this? Because some people, maybe they are in a bad state of mind already and they're coming into this with a negative frame of mind and they're going to have very bad time. So I think all these things need to be taken into account. Like, where are you in your life? Are you truly ready? Have you seek medical advice? Have you seek like all, all the proper relevant advice? And have you chosen the best retreat? And have you chosen the best medicine? So there's lots of things people need to be do to be very carefully uh, choose where they want to go and how they want to do the medicine because they, it could be very dangerous, like you say. I think for me, I put in lots of preparation. I think I was in a good place. So even when I did have a bad experience, I had the support around me that helped me to navigate and helped me to understand and helped me to integrate what happened to me. Some people maybe it didn't wouldn't have that support and maybe wouldn't have that, you know, uh, be lucky enough to be in a luxury retreat in Costa Rica with many shamans and doctors and psychologists to help guide and support you and hold space for you. I did have that, so I'm lucky. And also when I came home, I had a loving family around me to support me as well. Some people, they do the medicine and maybe they're going home to an abusive relationship or a job that they hate and they don't know how to handle this change of environment. Because one thing the medicine does, it makes you very vulnerable. It makes you very, you're vibrating at a very high frequency. So things that can happen to you can maybe feel much more sensitive you know so uh, i understand it's a very dangerous substance and it has to be handled with care so that's the best advice i could give to anybody but uh, like if you're in an abusive relationship if you have a bad job be careful because when you do the medicine it's going to really put a, it's going to shine a light on the bad things in your life and it's going to amplify them so for example if you're in a bad relationship yeah if your husband is beating you and you do ayahuasca it's going to really make this feel much more and you need to leave and it's going to create a lot of friction you know what i mean and you're going to have to leave and, and maybe you're going to be a victim of more violence who knows so you have to be very careful what circumstance you're in try to make sure you have people around you who can support you no matter what happens and i i think i heard you saying something that you also tried ibogain right Mm-hmm. What was it like? Yes, your experience. So iboga was very, uh, very, very different to ayahuasca. Uh, uh, ayahuasca um, is a like a transcendent experience. You, if you feel like you leave your body and you go somewhere else, like you travel to a different dimension, and it's very beautiful, it's very loving. Although there are hard parts to it, but it's like the energy you feel. It's very mystical, magical, you know. And you, you encounter different beings. You travel to different dimensions. With iboga, it's different. With iboga, you stay right there where you are on the floor, and uh, the 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 visions come to you. So it's like you're alone in a dark room is the best way to describe it. Like you have, you have a blindfold on. That's what they give to us to help us with the visions. They give you a blindfold so you're, you feel it in a dark room. And it's almost like a TV comes on and the visions you have are very clear and you're just alone with your visions. It's not like you don't, you feel like you're on the floor. You can still be very conscious of being, it's very grounding medicine, you know, and it's a very powerful medicine. It's very matter of fact, like with ayahuasca, you have to try to understand. It's like riddles. You try to have to interpret the visions, interpret the, you know, with iboga, it's just like very black and white. This is you. You're going to fix it or you're not going to fix it. You're a drug addict. You're a, you have disease, whatever it means. And it really forces you to face you know, whatever you need to face. And the thing with Iboga for me, uh, everyone's experience is different, obviously. So I can only talk from my own experience. But I think for me, it was very much about clearing out my psyche, rewiring my brain and also healing my body. 
I think I had some physical issues because I, I would smoke a lot and I have asthma as well. And maybe my lungs um, were very weak and I didn't know, or you know what I mean? So I felt like something was happening to my lungs in my during my experience. And even one of the people who saw me, they said to me that one of the, like the facilitators said, I could see you when you were puking. It wasn't normal puke. It was like a thick black like balls coming out and they were coming from the bottom of your stomach like really thick it was like and she goes it felt like your lungs it's like the black from your lungs was coming out that's what i felt like you know so maybe this was healing me on a physical level who knows you can uh, a lot of people i've heard on iboga they can have chronic disease like cancers or chronic fatigue or lyme's disease all this kind of stuff and iboga is the best medicine for them to cure this disease because it heals you on a cellular level it feels like it goes into your body in a very very deep 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 level and it can cure illnesses disease heroin addiction this kind of serious hardcore stuff you know okay because um you know i have someone in my family who's having a lot of drug issues for many years and i was considering um you know iboga because that's where i kind of heard is is the right medicine but also this person is very weak um you know has all sorts of issues with mental health and physical health mm. so and i heard you know the experience is so profound you know it can take like 30 something hours and i, yeah. I when i've heard about iboga first time i was watching actually a documentary uh where you know people who had some heroin addictions claimed to got healed and i you know i became interested so i reached out to the you know, retreat place, I think it was in Thailand that I saw in a documentary. And then I found out that they shut it down because someone died there. And, you know, this is like the kind of thing I'm hearing that it's it can be way too strong. And, and I'm here, you know, for, for someone I'm thinking about, if they're quite weak, you know, I'm not sure if they can yeah. handle that. So I'll, I'll give you a good uh, solution. There's obviously a boga is very powerful, and there, I think there's many people who want to open a boga retreats, but they don't because of this same thing because they're scared of it. Because maybe I think in the past there was a, like um, there's people in Costa Rica that had retreats as well, and and somebody died. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe the person was just too weak. But you need to take great care from a medical side. You need to have people really understand who are they giving their medicine to. So you need to have very rigorous, very serious health checks, checking what medication are they on, how strong is their heart, what is their blood level, blood type, all this stuff, blood pressure. You need to really have somebody check this, I think, before you prescribe iboga because it's so powerful like you say the risk of death is there so the, the, the retreat i went to in costa rica is called costa rica yoga spa there's a man who uh, runs a retreat called darren mcbratney and i met him and we did a documentary of that, that retreat as well it's still to be ed edited but we have the footage and this guy really seems to hit the nail on the head because he himself had really serious illness disease and many people died from the same disease and hospitals couldn't cure him and he discovered iboga and it cured him and so he decided to make this retreat but he made it in a very good way so what he did was he um he hired the best medical intuitives in the world so what he did was he had his own disease and he basically emailed a hundred medical uh, psychics or intuitives and said to them give me a reading like read me you know and he goes he picked the 10 best like the, the ones that give the most accurate reading uh, remote reading he just sent a photo answered a few questions and that's the based on the photo based on the conversation they read him so he chose these intuitive so for example when he uh, when i went to do a boga 
before I went there, he gave me a full questionnaire, maybe 30 questions to fill out, paragraphs and everything to tick boxes and medical health, history, asthma, do you have any heart problems, do you have any uh, prescription drugs, all this stuff. And also he said to me, you have to send a photograph to this medical intuitive as well. So I send a photograph and the medical intuitive sends me back like a three, three, four page report, full report. This is what I see. She said to me, you're, you suffer from like, um, you're, you're exhausted, like physical exhaustion, you know, and mental exhaustion, maybe from all, all the years of partying or whatever. And not and my mind, and I never, you know, I'm very fast and I never relax. I don't meditate or so I was very exhausted. So she gave me all this information that was quite true. And she said to me, and also she said to me, this is a dosage of iboga that you should have. So some people, they will be prescribed a very small dosage. Some people will be a big dosage, just depending on their medical reading. So I think this might be a good solution for your family member is to think about this potential because they pay a lot of attention to your health, to your mental state, to your body. And many times they will say no to somebody if they feel like, because this is a problem. Some retreats just want the money, you know, and they, they will accept everybody. So you need to, if a retreat is just saying yes to you without asking you lots of questions, don't go. Because they need to, they need to be asking you lots of questions. They need to be making sure you're healthy. You're not got heart problems. You're not doing prescription drugs. You're not got you know antidepressants. All these questions they need to ask you, and it's a big red flag if they don't ask you these questions for iboga. You know, so like this is a good solution for him. But this is something for everyone watching. If they want to do iboga, make sure the retreat is asking you these questions. Because if they're not, then you need to be careful. Okay. Yeah, I see. Um. So something else I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, what's your view about, are we going through some kind of shift in consciousness, some, some awakening, you know, I've had, um, Daniel Pinchbeck on my show recently, and he was talking about like how so many different cultures predicted this time in history. Uh, that we're gonna go for some kind of shift in consciousness and it can you know no one fully understands how it's gonna look like how when it's gonna happen if it's happening now or not but it's it's gonna be something big or is it it's already maybe happening you know mm -hmm. what do you think it, it's we're definitely going for some kind of major changes on the planet and if we continue the way we are we might, you know, destroy the civilization, right? So what do you think? Are mm -hmm. we are we going for some kind of shift? What's your feeling like? What's your knowledge on this subject? Sure. I mean, I, I, if you remember when I, when I first started Educate Inspire Change, they were talking about the end of the world with the Mayan calendar. Do you remember this? To, to, 2012 it was going to be the end of the world but maybe it was the end of a cycle maybe it was just the start of a new cycle you know on a consciousness level and, and i really feel that maybe that's accurate because only since then did pages like mine and yours become popular because people's consciousness started to shift people started to care more about world affairs the truth about politics the truth about health before if we started this page 20 years ago maybe nobody would have cared they're too busy watching movies and watching the news and uh, drinking Kool-Aid and nothing else. They don't care. But now all of a sudden everybody's caring. And I think it's because the, the internet is connecting people at a very exponential rate. We're, we're taking in information like never before. Every day people are reading articles, watching videos, like we're consuming so much information, yeah? And because of this information, we're, we're connecting to people at a much higher rate than ever before. So... It's almost like, um, it reminds me of like a ceremony when I'm doing ayahuasca, yeah? Like during the ayahuasca ceremony, you, you feel so connected and you have to purge all this stuff. You, you, come, you come face to face with reality, yeah? And you need to purge. It feels like the whole planet 
is collectively raising its consciousness because we're all becoming more aware, we're all becoming more mindful, we're all learning off each other, and we're now realizing, shit, there's so much wrong with the world, and now slowly we're purging. And purging can come in many forms, exposing pedophiles, exposing corrupt politicians, exposing all these people all around the world. People have the courage now to speak up. People have the courage to, to stand against these big billionaires or corrupt companies or corrupt politicians for the first time in, in history, you know, or recent history. So I think the world is purging right now, and I think it's probably going to get much worse before it gets better. I can feel this happening, you know. They're going to have more control, want to have more control over us. Uh, they want to suppress us. They want to, like, all these people on the internet are being suppressed. David Icke is being shut down. You know, Brian Rose was shut down on YouTube and Facebook. All these people uh, wanted to talk about the truth. Many pages, like, similar to ours were shut down because they were maybe talking too much about topics that people didn't want to hear, you know. So... I think um, it's, there's a lot of censorship going on just now, but I think I, they can't win, you know, because the people are are so um, so connected now that the message is already out there. You can't you can't destroy. You can maybe kill people physically, but you can't kill an idea. So once we create this idea, it will pass on for generations and uh, around people until eventually it becomes a fruition. So there's ideas about how the world should be. There's systems that should should be in place, like food systems. The whole world doesn't need to be, you know, like um, uh, we can feed the whole planet, for example. There can be free energy everywhere, for example. There can be, like, um, no need for war. There can be, like healthcare readily to everyone available. There's these systems and ideas that people realize should be true, but they're not because of one thing, because of profit and money. Because right now, health, pharmaceuticals, prison are all led by profit. So while we are prioritizing profit as a number one thing, the world's going to be like this. But we're slowly changing the priorities. Now some countries around the world, if you look at some of the countries, funnily enough, who have female leaders, like Scotland, like New Zealand, like I think, um, you know, some countries in the world, uh, am I right? Yeah, even I Iceland, is, Iceland, yeah. These leaders are now prioritizing health and state of mind over profit. So this is this, this is the first seeds of change coming. And, and if, if everyone can do this, then we will see a big shift. And I'm hoping that this will happen. And it, I think it will be a matter of time. We might need to see some revolutions. We might need to see some real friction and real... Uh, you know, maybe some revolution on the street, but the revolution will not be televised as well. So, like, there's many people just now even are taking to the streets around the world. I think it happened in, in Germany with the COVID. You know, there was maybe a million people on the street protesting against wearing these masks, but nobody knew because it wasn't on mainstream media. We had to really watch obscure YouTube channels to find out the truth. So, this, the, unfortunately, the, the, the truth isn't being televised, you know. We need to really research and dig deep for ourselves to see what's happening, but... I'm quite confident that we will get there. It will just take quite a lot of time and a, a lot of um, resistance, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think internet is kind of um, helps to facilitate this shift because it created this layer of transparency. And, you know, we can share information. We can quickly see what's happening, corruption, you know, all these kind of things can be revealed. And I even heard uh, something, someone says that actually the meaning of the word apocalypse is to reveal. And this is like mm. the time of revelation, you know, it's like the truth is coming out. Um, you know, if you think about like the world 30 years ago or 40 years ago, like, you know, it was so easy to manipulate people's perception through media. Now, you know, the police officer is abusing their power and uh, the next day everyone knows about it. The whole world knows about it because everyone has a 
camera in their pocket and they can film it quickly exactly. and upload it to the, the internet mm. so you know there is this kind of it's almost like uh the internet allows for uh, think about it you have a room full of dust you know like it's it's dirty but suddenly someone turn on the light and you can start to see the dust you know so this is almost like mm. what's going on and obviously the old systems will crumble or you know they probably want to preserve themselves obviously but people are kind of starting to see through so yeah i also think it's going to be maybe painful process you know but um yeah 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 w one thing i remember um experiencing when i was doing plant medicine uh was like um I got the the urge or the feeling to leave the city, you know. So like I, I was obviously when you do a plant medicine, you feel more in touch with nature and you want to be in a, an environment that's more healthier, you know. And I really felt um, compelled to just to pack up and leave. And I, I'm in the process of doing that. But this is something that's quite important. I think that uh, came to me is the cities where people gather like New York, London, all these big, huge places. These are the places where uh, are going to get worse before they get better. There's going to be more control, more corruption, more suicide, more drugs, more other stuff. So I felt like uh, one of my messages was to tell people, if you can, try to live more sustainably and try to live more in, in tune with nature and try to get away if you can from these places where there's going to be much more control and manipulation taking place you know it's obviously not possible for everybody it's very difficult you know but it's something to think about even just being in nature more spending more time in the park maybe live in a city but be more in the park and spend more time with nature and thinking about these things try to think about how to live sustainably and how to go off the grid a little bit you know because I really think that, that humanity wasn't designed to live the way we live you're not meant to cram 10 million people into a confined space or you know a, a, a it's not the way we're meant to live you know it just breeds uh, disease and breeds uh, mental illness and corruption and all this stuff you know we're meant to live in small sustainable communities where we can uh, all rely on each other like a good example i've been speaking to people in costa rica who have these communities you know and one guy says to me like on the average street you know they have like 10 houses they have 10 lawnmowers they have 10 cars they have 10 ladders they have 10 of everything but i get i guarantee you they only lose use lawnmower like 10 days a year or the ladder once a year you, do you know what i mean like the whole street could easily survive on one ladder and one lawnmower you know but the problem is we live separated we don't see how we're connected we see how we're separated so we all have to have our own things so my my concept for the future is i really want to live in a, a community where we can uh, put our resources together and create a better life for all of us together do you know what I mean? And you see this in some cultures, like some families, like Jewish families, some Asian families, they really put their income together. And people say they have big houses, big cars, but it's because the whole family lives together. You know what I mean? And they all live, they, feed, they eat well, they, they, they have a good life, they're all supported, and they have, you know, no worries, no stresses or bills. But modern society wants you to separate. And it's funny because the other day I heard someone talk about this in China. You know how in China they are um, trying to manage the population and they want every family to have only one child? Somebody was saying to me, this is not just for population control. It's also for they want to break the family system. Because once you only have one son, one son, or one daughter, one daughter, you're not having the family home, and you're you're losing tradition, and people are not. And then after one generation, that person is much easier to control because they don't have brothers or sisters or family to support them. They're only one human. Do you know what I mean? And their mother or father will die; they'll be alone, and they need to rely on the government. So this, they're, they're almost trying to break down the family system and the feeling of community and like you know this connectedness. So it's very important that we um, make people aware of this, like because. Uh, 
because I think it's happening all around the world. Population control, the world's overpopulated. We need to manage. This is not true. I think this is a myth. There is more than enough resources to feed everybody. There's more than enough land to look after everybody. As long as we can learn to manage it and learn to trust people in their own small communities. At the moment, they want to control everyone from the top down. And this is very hard to do with 7 billion people. But it would be very easy to do if you gave people control and gave people more independence over their own, over, over their own, you feed themselves. Right now, you can't go to the park and give people food because you need a permit, you need a license. Right now, you can't collect rainwater in America because it's against the law. Because I don't know why, it's just crazy. There's so many laws that are just weird, you know. And I think um, this is, I feel passionate about this, trying to resist against this um, separation. So another thing, plant medicine done for me was it made me feel really connected. So before, like me and you, we come from different backgrounds completely, yeah. We also have different color skin. We speak different. And in the past, this would make us feel separated from each other. But now I see every human, I just see them as another version of me. Like you could be me, I could be you. If I was born with your family, with your house and your country, I would become you. And if you were born in my environment, you would become me. We just have our own, we're shaped by our own experience, by our own environment. But we're all made of the same thing, just the same atoms, the same energy. So I really feel, I feel like a, a sense of connectedness to everybody now and I think this is something that's important when we can start look, walking down the street and feeling connected to everybody instead of separated from everybody that's another big thing we'll, we'll, we will then change our perception and the world becomes a, a, a much more friendlier and easier place to live yeah I mean to me you know I grew up in Poland and um, initially in Catholic family but fortunately I was a critical thinker and I managed to deprogram myself and uh, I look at it you know a lot of people who kind of put their identity where like let's say based on nationality or color of skin or religion to me it's kind of mm. it becomes really silly these days because mm. we're kind of one human race we face the same problems you know we we kind of we're destroying the planet you know, and all these things are just labels. It's like, uh, you know, I have, I'm wearing blue t-shirts, you're wearing red t-shirts, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter really. And even if you if you mm -hmm. actually look at the history of every nation, it's a mixture of everything, you know? No one is like pure, um, you know, type or whatever. It's been a mixture of cultures, mixture of, uh, you know, ancestors everything so it's kind of like i think people yeah. just tend to do it because it makes them feel better if they are belonging to some group you know yeah. but that's kind of yeah. like to me it's also a little bit outdated uh way of thinking and uh, you we you mentioned something about censorship earlier and this is something i wanted to ask you about as well you know we're seeing the censorship on the internet is getting crazy now. Um, we remember like the times where, uh, you know, you could publish anything you wanted and uh, no one would say anything, but now kind of like these big corporations took over and uh, everyone is, you know, using them and then they, there is no accountability. They can do anything they want. They can block anyone they want. You know, they have this kind of uh, shield around them, legal, that no one can really do anything. So it's kind of, it's becoming really annoying when you want to report anything a little bit controversial and the truth is not always black and white, you know. So, and then you're being censored and, you know, you spent years on building this following. It's been so much, so difficult to do. 
and you every single day you have to f- be worrying about you know not being censored or anything like that mm. what do you think about this whole yeah. situation and what do you think are the solutions to this problem yeah um it's almost like a, you know in the olden days they used to go to like churches or libraries and burn the books they would burn the books to get rid of a you know a history it's kind of like this that they're, they're almost doing like a, a digital book burning you know they're, they're erasing all our content all our, our our information that might have uh some serious truths in there and it's a it's, i think it's a really really uh a travesty it's really shocking and the fact that they can get away with it just now is um really terrible because at the moment there's no one to as you say hold them accountable at the moment like Facebook Facebook, Google, Apple, all these big, huge companies, like, you know, uh, they're at the top and there's nobody calls them accountable. Even sometimes when the government in America, like, does do a hearing for Mark Zuckerberg, he just talks and then it goes, they fine him 40 million. They say, okay, it's pocket change, pocket change. And he walks away and makes it, doesn't do it, it doesn't impact anything. Even all these hearings, a waste of time, you know? I think, I think the only way to defeat this system is to build new systems. So the, what I'm realizing is, when, uh, what's the word they say? Energy goes where energy flows, yeah? So we can focus all our energy on what I'm trying to do with my platform, like you're doing as well. We're creating podcasts. We're trying to become less reliant on pl- these platforms. We want to build our own core following, our own newsletter, our own, you know, do you know what I mean? Because we don't want to rely on these big platforms. And I think slowly, slowly, this is, this is the way forward. A good example for me is the Joe Rogan podcast. You know what I mean? So he's a massive podcast and he just talks about whatever he wants to. I don't think there's much censorship goes on with his conversations. He talks to politicians, both left wing, right wing, psychedelics, every, you know, everybody. And he got such a big audience and he now got a hundred million deal with Spotify. So I think the key moving forward is to create your own brand, create your own systems. Don't rely so much. The mistake we made with hindsight was putting all our eggs in one basket, relying on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube to, to support us when they're not going to support us now. We have to realize that, you know, and they're only supporting entertainment or musicians or brands or you know celebrities they don't want us to people who are um, challenging the media challenging Fox News challenging CNN challenging BBC challenging the American government they don't want to hear this on their on their platforms so it's a sad it's a hard time but I think I think eventually we will just make our own way. Like I was talking to a guy, you know him as well. I think you did a podcast with Bill Ottman of Minds, you know? So so he's a good example. He created this platform, Minds, of his own back, and it's a freedom of speech platform. There's no censorship there. You can post whatever you like. So I'm hoping in time, as time evolves, more and more people will join platform like that and or create their own platforms and give people like me and you a platform where we can really share our messages of truth. And that's a, the thing is, I think we need to just focus our attention on new systems and you know what I mean and focus more on solutions instead of on the problem so the problems are censorship the problems are Facebook and Google and YouTube but the solution isn't there the solution is somewhere else so I think for me and you uh, sad to say but we need to start paying attention to other forms of communication other ways to build our brand and share our message yeah and I think it's also harder to silence a person rather than a brand you know because if you have a brand and uh, you don't know who is behind the brand people follow people so you know it's like if if the person is being hurt by censorship i think that people stand out in their um you know to protect them like with brian rose who you know was censored on youtube and then uh, you know he has such a strong following that people actually donated 
a lot of money to help him to build his own unique independent platform. So I think that kind of shows the power as well. Um, you know, Definitely. and I think this is also the way to move forward. That's one of the reasons as well why I'm kind of putting myself out there as yeah. well more these days. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to know, do you have any personal practices, like some rituals, personal development uh, tips yeah. that you apply on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, sure. So like, um, I find myself much more focusing on you know, like uh, uh, investing time and energy into myself, into personal growth. So I'm really looking, I've been looking outwards for the last six months for advice, help. Like I've been speaking to life coaches, uh, he, you know, he, uh, healers and all these kind of people that can give me support. And even some things I've been doing naturally myself, I'll start with them first. So like I, I like to practice gratitude and I, I, I try to do as much as I can. I like to just be grateful. So quite often, especially with my children, putting them to bed or waking up in the morning with them, uh, you can't help but feel grateful for them. But in the same moment, I try to do a thing where I, I'm uh, practicing gratitude for them. And in the same, because um, in the same uh ritual if you like i also add in my health my family my business my you know my all, all this stuff so it's like um a guy taught me this the guy who owns with me jerry actually taught me this because he's a very good manifester he's very good at manifesting money business and he says to me he used to do this you know he used to think about the thing he was most grateful for and it would make him cry and in the same sentence he would also talk about my my abundance my business my wealth my health my family my friends everything you know so it'd all be in that same it's almost like a very pure prayer and you're you're also throwing in all this extra stuff you know and it, and it feels like it becomes real because when i'm when, I, when i'm being grateful for my children and i'm also being grateful for my business and i'm also being grateful for my wealth it's like it's putting that energy into all of it you know so it's giving a lot, a lot of importance to those things because sometimes we can say i wish i was rich but you don't really really mean it or but but i i really do believe that i want to be successful i really do believe in my platform i really do believe that i want to be successful because my my greater purpose is worth it you know what i mean so i, I feel that inside on in a deep core level so i try to practice this gratitude every day and i think it really does make a big difference because especially in the morning if you can start with this vibration this frequency the rest of the day just flows much more better because maybe you had a bad dream maybe you had a bad day day before if you can start your morning with this it just gives you a good head start so that's one practice that i like to do and even when we eat dinner with my kids obviously people who are religious do this they pray but we always say thank you for our food we, we don't know if it's a god we say thank you to the universe thank you to god thank you to mom for cooking the food thank you to the animals or whatever is involved in the making the food we just say so even this uh, act of this it makes the, the the act of eating dinner much nicer and better and for the children to see that as well you know and um, so being grateful also spending time in nature is a very very the most best one for me and the simplest one as well because often i find it hard to find the motivation sometimes to maybe sit and meditate or to go and do yoga or all these things that take require a bit more discipline and a bit more time and and you need to have no distractions but the but the one thing i can do anytime is i can walk outside to the garden or i can sit quietly next to a tree or i can walk to a park you know so this is the best thing for me that i use to keep in touch with this vibration this frequency frequency just if i want to get away just be alone and be with nature and and see how you feel like often people don't do this they, they don't just sit next to a tree for half an hour 
and uh, and see how how you feel or even take your feet and put them into the sand or the grass or the nature because this is another form of feeling connected and it does really really help but even science backs this up as well there's many scientific reviews about the the, the feelings of putting your feet on earth it's called grounding or earthing it's another powerful tool so those are three ones there's many more meditation yoga diet nutrition so many other things i could talk about but those three are, are the big ones for me yeah um i've i'm keep hearing from people about gratitude how important it is and you know uh, i grew up um it's almost like genetic disease or whatever everyone around me is always uh, unhappy and wants more and this is like a pattern in my family and i've been noticing how i always feel like this is not perfect this is not enough and mm -hmm. you know it's almost like if you think about it if you actually are grateful you focus your attention on something that you want to have as well because you already have it so you can get more of it if you put attention to it right so so it's even if you believe in exactly. the law of attraction you know if you on the other hand would focus on lack of something you know i want to be rich or whatever but i'm not it's hard to make it work right if it's kind of it's almost like you need to put attention on something to then because you you kind of you keep attracting more of it right so that's why gratitude is so yeah. important as well uh, i feel like yeah. i just started working on it more because i'm always keep drifting towards my patterns mm -hmm. which are just like this is yeah. not enough you know it's like yeah yeah a good thing from a good thing that might might help you a little bit is um as well as gratitude i also feel like the sense of purpose so like for example this podcast yeah imagine it only has 10 views but imagine if one of those views the person uh, really gets profoundly changed wants to do ayahuasca or wants to heal or they, that then to me i feel, i feel very proud you know so it's it's just having that like a like obviously we have rather large platforms but like as like we, we if we could see the effect we had on other people i think we would be really grateful every day but we can't maybe visualize it because we don't see the end results but if you see one person one 15 year old boy watching a video or listening to a podcast and that 15 year old boy is changed for life because something you said think about how good you would feel so this feeling of not enough lack just the ripples effect we have just try to under to me i feel this is what keeps me going you know because sometimes i have very low like you see our figures on facebook on youtube they're very low compared to the usual and it can be very demoralizing demotivating like we're not reaching as many people we're not making enough money we're not being successful but still we're making we're making an impact and i think just focus on what we are doing good and i think like you say we'll, we, we, we will attract more you know but i'm the same as you brother it's very easy to focus on lack or very easy to focus on what you don't have and you, you forget what you do have you know i mean even being alive is we won the lottery just to be alive like 400 trillion to one is a chance just to be born like we should just wake up grateful every day anyway it doesn't even if you had no money no job no nothing you should be grateful anyway but with human nature we're not wired for we're always wired to want more you know so like um for me like having a sense of purpose it helps me to be grateful to know why i'm here what i'm doing is for a greater cause this to me it's almost like being in service to mankind you know this this helps me to be grateful because it doesn't it doesn't become about me anymore it becomes about everyone else when it's, a, when it's about me, I could ha always have more money, I could always be healthier, I could always have a six-pack, I could always you know, look better, but, but with other, other people, it makes me feel less like uh, focused on negative and more, okay, I'm, making a, I'm, I'm helping people, I'm providing truth, I'm inspiring, I'm educating, this keeps me, help, it helps me to be more grateful more often.
Yeah, I think this sense of purpose is really important because, I mean, we've both been around for many years and I've also spent like, you know, years of working for free, building things from scratch, working weekends just to pay my bills and all these kind of things. It's been really challenging uh, period. It's always challenging, you know, you have these periods when things start working out and then you have another few months when <laughs> everything is crashing and people don't understand mm -hmm. how much energy it goes into building these uh, brands and platforms. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. without that sense of purpose, you, you'll probably not be able to keep going because for me, I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling like I'm on a mission, you know, I reach like hundred million people over the years and I, you know, I meet people somewhere or I just add them on Facebook, whatever I see, they're sharing our stuff, some random people yeah. all around the world. And, you know, it's kind of, it's an evidence for me that, um, you know, I'm having an impact and I'm helping so many people. And that's like the main motivating factor. You know, it's not money. It's not other things. Money is needed because you cannot do anything with, without the money. But, you know, it's more about just like having an impact and making people think and making them to see the bigger picture. So it's it's really like without it, you cannot keep going, I guess. Exactly, yeah. It's th this concept of money, like um, it's, it's been a very testing period for me because like just before the virus hit, I decided to invest a lot of money in creating new projects. Like the I'm filming some documentaries, paying for editors and camera crews and traveling and flights and accommodation. And I'm investing in the podcast and like I've hired people, a team to create videos and all this money went out and all of a sudden our money stopped. Like, so we were making much less money from Facebook, from YouTube, everywhere. everywhere. And it was really testing for me because my instinct was saying to me like stop like stop paying that money but i said to myself look um i need to I almost like a it's almost like a test you know like how much do you how much do you care about these projects how much do you want to do the ayahuasca documentary how much do you want to do the podcast how much do you believe in yourself so i said okay i'm going to keep paying i'm going to keep paying and i hope one day it turns around and i'm still waiting for it to turn around but it's just having this self-belief that i think that's this is this is the the difference between successful people and non-successful people is when the, when you have nothing going for you, when you're at rock bottom, what choice do you make? Do you give up and go home or do you keep do you keep fighting? And only the people that keep fighting, only the people that have that extreme self-belief keep going that one day we'll be successful. Maybe we'll fail. Maybe our business will crash. But I guarantee you we won't give up. I guarantee you we'll start again something else or we do something else. You know what I mean? And I, I, eventually we will be successful because this is our nature. And, and I, I have this comfort in the back of my mind that, and I can see it in you as well. Obviously you've created this platform. We have similar passions, similar goals and people like us, we just don't give up and we won't give up. And it's, it's a good feeling. And maybe that's why we are where we are because people in this position need to have that stubborn nature not to give up and to be really passionate. We all have different roles to do in this world. You know, some people are healers, some people are leaders, some people are teachers whatever we're here to do you know and people like us we choose to be shedding light on truth and to spread information and knowledge and we're light workers in a way but people like us we can't uh, be easily put off we need to be very stubborn and very uh, uh, like passionate about what we do so even despite all the negative no money and all the stuff I'm 
pushing forward you know and even that's that's the key i think is there's some famous celebrities that that, that follow this like the law of attraction like um I, I hear about people like conor mcgregor even muhammad ali did it and jim carrey some actors they say when they had nothing they had nothing like they had no money they had no hope they were doing nothing they were still in their mind visualizing themselves at the top so muhammad ali when he was 14 years old he was saying i'm the world champion i'm the champion of the world at 14 years old conor mcgregor was driving in his girlfriend's car going to become a plumber and he says in my mind i'm driving a bentley and i'm the champion of the world so in their mind doesn't matter where they are how low they have no money they have no career they have no prospect in their mind they're number one in the world so right now this podcast might be number 200 or number 1000 in the world but if you can visualize, I'm going to be number one. I'm going to be. I'm going to beat Joe Rogan to become number one. Like if you can visualize this now and really believe it, then I will. I will bet any money you will get there one day. You know. But just having this self belief and this um, ability to overcome any obstacles and not let anything stop you that will help you to get there. Yeah, I think um, it's important to, you know, have goals um, and uh, try to reach, you know, reach top goals. But sometimes I'm also like. I used to be very competitive and I used to have like, you know, I want to be the best. And then, you mm. know, sometimes it takes over too much and, you know, you just become obsessed and it kind of can destroy other things. So I, I'm not, yeah. you know, I became a little bit uh, more distant to like trying to do something to be the best or whatever. Yeah, yeah. More what's like, I'm also opening up to f what flows, you know, like I'm kind of getting into synchronicities and seeing opportunities mm -hmm. coming. And then like, you know, instead of being fixated on a goal number I had yeah. maybe yeah. like a year ago, whatever, I'm, I'm just watching what's unfolding. And then like, if this is some, path that makes sense I'm, I'm going this direction what do you think about yeah you you, you, yeah so yeah you, you said something really good there that made me backtrack a little bit so i'm glad you said that because when i said be number one like you're right you shouldn't aim for number one what you should aim is to be the best you can be yeah so like because because you're correct like when you focus on the numbers like I, I follow a guy called gary vaynerchuk as well who's quite a inspirational entrepreneur figure in business and he says people are always saying to him i don't have a million fans i want to get a thousand fans i want to get how much you know and he, he goes you're already in the wrong place don't focus on that focus on you doing the best you can putting out the best content and then the numbers will feed you back so like you're correct i have i have goals i want to I want to be the best I can be at everything. And if it's number 10, if it's number 20, if it's number one, it doesn't matter as long as I'm doing the best I can. So I think that's quite right. So thank you for saying that because you made me backtrack a little. I think that's, and I don't want the listeners to get me the wrong way. It's good to have goals. It's good to have ambitions, but the main, the main focus should be on being the best version of yourself and not comparing yourself to others because we're all at different stages in our life as well. You know, there's many circumstances of people that, you know, like famous actors like Al Pacino, I think he, nobody knew him until he was 30 or 40 years old his first big job came when he was really old you know and like he's i'm younger than him do you know what i mean and other people become billionaires at 21 like mark zuckerberg other people become you know at seven donald trump became president at whatever age he is 70 or something do you know what i mean like i think how old they are you know so we're all at different stages in our life we're all different paths and this is why it's, it's a big mistake to compare yourself to others we're, we're, you know what i mean we're, no one's ahead no one's behind we're all just on our own journey on our own path and i think this is an important thing to say to people because being competitive is good to a, to a level but don't let it like you said you can become obsessed with the numbers obsessed with how much money or what rank am i just be obsessed with your content and are you doing the best thing for you yeah, yeah i mean 
it's important to um you know be competitive and all these things if you are on the business you know what we do is a business mm. eventually but mm -hmm. because without that drive without pushing you cannot accomplish anything it's like a team in a football you know they gotta be working mm -hmm. together and they gotta be a leader that keeps keeps an eye on everything so they can uh, succeed so it's like everything you know exactly. it's gotta be some level of organization yeah. and drive but also yeah. as we said without getting too fixated on everything you know status numbers whatever exactly I also wanted to ask you, do you have any movies or uh, maybe documentaries or maybe books or anything that kind of really impacted you or, you know, something you can recommend, mm -hmm. like your favorites? Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of um, the, the, the documentary about plant medicine called The Reality of Truth, which I, I, I planted a few seeds in my head about my own medicine journey. This was, and it's, I interviewed the director of this movie as well, so he's a really interesting guy. The Reality of Truth, that's called. Um, obviously, The Law of Attraction is a book, and uh, The Secret was a famous one that many people use. The Secret is a bit mainstream, maybe mainstream, but at the time it had a big impact on me. But with hindsight, I, 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 maybe, I maybe look to go more deeper now, but it still woke me up in many ways to the law of attraction, to the art of manifestation and self-belief. So the, the Secret is still a, a, an important book to me. Um, and to be honest with you, like I, I just spent a lot of time listening to people like Alan Watts and Terence McKenna. So philosophers, humanitarians, and these people have, I mean, it's crazy with Terence McKenna. If you look online on YouTube, it's like I listen to him every night or almost, and every Every night I find something new. There's like endless, endless hours and hours, must be thousands of hours of him talking over. And and he was, uh, you know, doing this in the 80s and 90s uh, when there wasn't much media or no YouTube and all this. And he was making so much. Um, it's, a, it's like a gift. It's almost like he's living on through his, um, you know, his uh, his voice through YouTube now. It's crazy. But like so, people like that. I would I would listen to lots of you know shorter videos and lectures that they give. Alan Watts has, has a philosophy on Buddhism uh, on, on being Zen, and he's a great guy and a very calming influence. And I just love these people, just listening to their stories, listening to their wisdom. And um, even like podcasts, like the Joe Rogan podcast for me was a big influence because it, uh, he had lots of really interesting conversations. And for the first time, I heard someone, you know, talk about things that no one else spoke about. So he was having conversations about aliens, about DMT, about Area 51, about conspiracy, about corruption. And, and nobody else was having these conversations on mainstream media. So that was a guy that really woke me up. And a lot of my podcast is inspired by him and the kind of conversations he has and and um, I would say, like, if anyone's listened to this, definitely go back because he's got, you know, thousands of episodes or hundreds of episodes going back 10 years. And some of the early ones with like Graham Hancock and uh, really interesting people were really fast. Graham Hancock's another interesting guy, like his books and his documentaries and uh, even short videos are really interesting. He talks about a lot to do with ancient civilization and he really does uh, a, hist like a historian, an archaeologist, and he has a very unique point of view on where humans came from and how we originated and what influences we have and it's very fascinating to me to think that even hundreds of thousands of years ago there was really advanced civilizations here that we seem to have forgotten about and I think that's a really key thing that would unlock a lot about what, what we don't know about ourselves today. It feels like we are like a, a species with amnesia. You know, we're, the, we're like maybe being around for millions of years, but we've forgotten. 
how advanced we used to be and how much spiritual knowledge we used to have. And it seems to have been wiped out by history or somehow. And we've almost like forgotten. We just wake up, we just think, okay, I'm a human, I'll get a job, I'll get married and then I die. And this is not why we're, we're here to do more. When you think about it, like look, take a look at where you are. Like you're on a bloody rock in the middle of space with a great ball of like gas providing you with unlimited energy, surrounded by other balls of energy that are shining in the sky. It's like, it's, that alone is crazy. Like, stop you're, you're on a rock in space you're on a spaceship organic spaceship you know and you're in this like a skeleton covered with meat that creates sound from its mouth like it's really crazy when you think about it for a second who we are and what we're doing but people are born and they just get brainwashed instantly this is who you are this is your your name is mike my name is cash you are catholic i am muslim you're going to get married, you're going to get a job, you're going to make money, then you're going to die, and that's the end of story. This is not true, you know? So we need to find out, um, I think the deeper we look into history, maybe we'll start to understand ourselves better and what we're capable of. I really think that the human's mind and body are capable of great feats. Like we hear about things like telekinesis and you know psychic abilities and ability to manifest things with your mind and power and whatever it might be, meditation, how you can travel through time, all this stuff. I really think humans are capable of great, great feats, but we just have forgotten. And, I, and I, this is why I think the psychedelics do as well, is I think the psychedelics are almost here to remind us. So these plants are planted here for a reason somehow. I don't know how they caught here, how we discovered them, but it's almost like there's deep knowledge in them that we, we can unlock. And I think maybe that has there's something there, there's a key there that once we understand psychedelics and also the dream state, psychedelics unlock a dream state as well. So understanding your dreams better. What I've heard people talk about this type of ayahuasca called yahi and it makes this guy said to me he's been doing yahi for 20 years yeah and he does i can uh, i can't remember his name but i'll i'll send it to you afterwards he he says he's been doing it for 20 years and he goes after 20 years of doing this medicine he goes now he has this those visions in his dreams so he doesn't need to drink it anymore he just goes to sleep and he unlocks and he goes and then when he dreams he can go into like the movie inception he goes in the dream i can go deeper and deeper and deeper into another dream and he discovered ways to do it he goes in the dream i fall asleep in my dream and i wake up in another dream and he's found ways to navigate deeper and he goes and sometimes it can feel like i'm away for days and i come back exhausted i wake up exhausted and he goes this is something i'm unlocking a, a, a dream realm and this stuff fascinates me you know, like maybe we can only live for 90 years, yes, or 80 years, but maybe there's something we can unlock in our mind. We're in our dream state, in a psychedelic state, we can maybe travel for years somewhere else and maybe we can live different lives or go to different realities. There's so much we don't know about time, about reality, about that we don't know anything. We really don't. And it's uh, exciting and, and to because there's so much knowledge out there that's left to be discovered, you know? So there's something else to like ponder, I suppose, you know, like yeah, to think about. Uh, I definitely think <laughs> that we have enormous potential hidden potential you know i've been mm -hmm. experimenting with lots of things over the years you know i've been reading a lot of spiritual books and trying all sorts of practices out of body experiences healing uh you know getting into it into i mean getting like pr predictive dreams and things like that you know and i kind of mm. so i could see how much we can do and this is just like you know one of main things and i'm constantly also discovering mm. uh things like recently i got into wim hof's breathing um mm. and yeah. i started looking more and more into wim hof and it's just really fascinating how you have a guy who is over 60 and he he's <laughs> he can do you know such insane things like 
don't know, climbing mountains, um, you know, the tall, mm. tallest mountains are swimming under the ice for like 70 meters. And the guy's, mm. you know, he, he is more fit <laughs> than athletes in uh, prime yeah. age, you know, like being 20 or 30. <laughs> so that just shows you what's possible. You know, I, I was reading about this guy um, who is like some Turkish yoga master is over 90. He actually f had a fractured his spine like 40 years earlier and he managed to heal himself or something. And then now he he's in his nineties and he can have a sex several times a day. <laughs> so that's like, these kind <laughs> of guys are my inspiration, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely him. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So what's on your mind uh, for the next year? Like what's your project? Or I know you're working on the so, movie, so, right? Documentary series. Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, two 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 projects. One is called Pantera, which is a documentary series. This is just born uh, organically from my experiences with ayahuasca. I felt the need to film my journey. Then it got bigger and bigger, and I started to film every retreat. And I thought to myself, instead of one documentary, this could be five documentaries, you know. So I thought I need to maybe make this a series, and maybe I can make it an ongoing thing. So in the future, so I've done, I've filmed uh, three episodes so far. Filmed only one is ready to be released, and I'm hoping in the future to maybe visit many different retreats and do this as a business model maybe filming documentaries and you know um, uh, promoting these medicines and these locations and obviously uh, trying to do the work myself and showing people the transformation that I'm experiencing so people can understand better like what does a boga do to this guy what does ayahuasca do to him and what does these different medicines do and how does he feel how does he react and I want to just to help to educate people so I'm working on this documentary there's a website called pantera.film where I'm hosting the trailer just now so anyone wants to watch they can go there they can leave their email and they can register to watch the other one is called uh, awakening the soul um, and it's a, you can, there's a website called awakeningthesoulfilm.com and this is another documentary which is a standalone documentary it's just a deep dive into ayahuasca and the origins of ayahuasca and the effects on it the, the, the science behind ayahuasca and um, a little bit of our journey and Rhythmia that me and my friend Samuel Austin who owns a page called Live, Learn, Evolve we created this documentary together he's a, the director and editor of this documentary it's, it's close to finishing as well so I'm looking forward to being able to release these and just to seeing what happens and um, we're speaking to like platforms like Gaia to see if maybe we can post the documentary there so my podcast is keeping me busy these documentaries are keeping me busy on a personal level I'm planning on moving to Costa Rica very soon and I'm hoping to work closely with Rhythmia there and I'm also going to be managing my own business from there so my podcast hopefully I'll be able to interview different guests every week maybe more related to plant medicine because I want to interview people uh, uh, you know who do ayahuasca and so they can share their stories with everybody and give people a deeper understanding this is my path I want to when I go there I want to become more sustainable live more in tune with nature and maybe long term stay there maybe become part of a community or or grow my own community and just to see where the universe takes me I'm, I feel like I'm just following my path and I'm trusting in the universe I'm sacrificing a lot of my home comforts like all my family and friends and cars and all the stuff I'm used to here in the UK and I'm really just taking a risk or not a risk but I'm just taking a leap of faith by going to Costa Rica and hopefully changing my life changing my kids life and and becoming happier and healthier yeah no sounds like a big plans yeah hopefully yeah, it's going to materialize in this crazy period. You Thank know, you. With COVID and travel. Yeah, I hope so. Getting a little yeah. bit crazy. I know, I know. Is there anything else Thank you, you wanted to share with the audience before we're going to wrap up? 
Um, I'm quite happy. I think we've covered a lot. Obviously, if anybody wants to find me, they, I have my platform is Educate Inspire Change. They can just search for that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, uh, podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. It would mean a lot if people would follow, support, download, review. That's the best way you can support us. And obviously the same for you, Mike. Like The best way people can support us is just by following and sharing and, and commenting as much as they can So to keep us growing, keep us going. So thank you very much for hosting this podcast. And thank you as well for your friendship over the years. And let's maybe after this conversation, let's retouch base and see how we can maybe collaborate more for you know because it's not easy time for anybody so whatever we can do for each other let's do for each other you know thank you and i also appreciate um our friendship and uh thanks for checking out this trophy podcast episode until next time